1: Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Cousins, first and ten from his own 36-yard line, back to pass, green left to Dalvin, turns it up outside the numbers for the 40, gets to the 50, and way! Dalvin 20 to the left, 15! Four yard touchdown! They fake it to Mixon. Oh, baby. Caught. Wilcox to the five, to the goal line. Oh. In his hometown, Mitchell <laughs> Wilcox scores a touchdown. And the Bengals put it away with 2.21 to go. Mahomes hands it
2: off to McKinnon, trying to dart left. 25-20, downfield block. 10 five, touchdown! Kansas City! terrific
1: run by Jarek McKinnon to win the game in overtime on a 26-yard run and the Kansas City Chiefs have won the AFC West for a seventh consecutive year. Three Three. seconds to go it's a handoff Stevenson up the middle breaks one tackle at the 50 to the 45-40 stiff army's free at the 35 drops it behind it to Jacoby Myers who circles and laterals it and it's intercepted by the going the other way down the sideline at the 20-yard line to the 10-yard line touchdown vegas what a wild finish
2: that may be the wildest ending i have seen in a long time it's coffee and cream in the morning on hail varsity radio powered by currency alongside damon benning Andrew Rogers, on remote this week in St. Louis, but DB, it's still good to be here. And, you know, I have to say it because I say it every morning to my guy in Omaha. What's up,
3: DB? <laughs> What's up, Drew Down? How is how is home, man? Home, is home good? You know what? It's just as cold as it's up in Omaha. I'll tell you that much. Wowzer. Wow. Well, yeah. And it's only going to get worse, allegedly. I, You know, we have a tendency to freak out here over forecast, but. This one actually may be coming on Wednesday Thursday.
2: Yeah, on Thursday in St. Louis it's supposed to be like 3 to 5 inches of snow and St. Louis is prone for ice. I know I've been up in Omaha for about a year, but how much ice actually hits the streets of Omaha? A lot? A yeah, little?
3: Not, not usually, it's not it's not usually terrible. Usually we get more of a problem with packed snow than we do like ice, but Ice scares me because that isn't about driving ability. That is like risk reward. Hey, you know
2: who's ice cold, DB? Who has ice in his veins?
3: That's Kirk Cousins on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. How about so? In and in a crazy NFL weekend, back college basketball, you can get at us at 888 638 4876. It'll be a fantastic show with you on coffee and cream but how about how just the media just went all in on the colts meltdown like they spared jeff saturday no love and just hammering that debacle
2: yeah you know it was insane i i, I was watching the game and then i went to church okay yeah. and leave it to me to leave a football game early to go to church and then i was you know before church Pulling up on my phone, I had, I had my Spectrum app open, and I had it off to my left side, and I was trying to hide it from my grandma at the same time because, you know, no phones in church. But uh, I just kept seeing touchdown after touchdown that's, after that's, touchdown. That's, that's
3: cute, Drew. Don, that is, <laughs> I remember those days as a young child. What, just, going to church? Just not wanting to disappoint the fam as you're sitting in the oh, pews. Okay. Touchdown yes. Nebraska! Set, set up. Don't rattle that candy wrapper. Well, I yeah, and I'm be- sitting
2: next to my niece who's eating Cheez-Its the whole time, and I'm starving. <laughs> I was
3: so hungry. Yeah. I, so, a couple of nevers, obviously, right? have never saw what Minnesota did, ever- did to the Colts, and I've never seen what happened in the New England Patriots-Raiders game. So, watching football, literally, for 44 years, since I was about four years old and knew, what I was, knew that I liked the sport... I've never seen either of those things. How about that? How sick to your stomach, and you had no
2: rooting interest in the Patriots Raiders game, but how sick to your stomach did you get from a coach's perspective? Yeah, that was. Seeing uh, Jacoby Myers lateral that ball.
3: I was, I I think I was angry. I was like, what are you doing? Right? Because I don't know, sports are hard enough to win. It's just when you do those mind numbing things. Oh, boy, that one is going to leave a mark. Hopefully, I mean, that AFC, is, that's a crowded picture. Uh, you can't afford to be letting that one get away.
2: Oh, especially when, like you just said, you come from the Patriots' point of view, and they're in the playoff race. Yeah. They had, like, the seven seed locked up going into this week, and all of a sudden, instead of going to overtime, you're trying to be a hero
3: when the game's tied. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, you, you weren't – there was zero time on the clock. You're not getting into you're, – you're not going to be able to attempt a field goal. The risk was way greater than – Jacoby
2: Myers reminded me of J.R. Smith taking the ball out to half court when the game's uh, tied after a free throw, uh, and everybody on the sidelines, LeBron throwing
3: his hands up. How about if you're in Miami and the Chargers, you're like, "Whoo! thank you. Appreciate that one. <laughs> That's your team. Yeah, because now the Patriots are on the outside looking in. Unbelievable. You unbelievable. Know, top top seven seeds as it stands right now. Well, the, you know, obviously a couple weeks to play, though, Drew Don. You got Buffalo, the Chiefs, Bengals, Tennessee somehow, uh, Baltimore, <laughs> Los Angeles, and Miami. I mean, hey, don't sleep on the Jags. Oh, well, and if you're Dallas, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They've been sleeping
2: since two weeks ago before yeah. the Texans game.
3: Yeah, they better get it going defensively. They're a little too high risk, high reward. When they're not turning you over, they're getting a little leaky in the run game too. They, they I'll gotta, tell you what, they got to figure that out.
2: I'll tell you what, Michael Parsons coming out and saying Jalen Hurts shouldn't be the MVP and and it uh, should be a defensive player potentially. I don't know over the last two weeks if I'd uh, reward a member of the Dallas defense.
3: Yeah, the. The, the the football is a funny way, man. When you you respect the game, it, it at some point will respect you back. You don't, and uh, it comes back to tap on your shoulder, right that, on your shoulder. That AFC
2: is pretty uh pretty crowded. Two of the teams that uh, you thought would be in the crowd aren't even in
3: it. You know, from the AFC West, <sighs> yeah. Denver and the Raiders. I didn't think the Raiders were going to be in it.
2: Well, everybody thought that that was a crowded. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah. At the and beginning of the is, year, it has separated itself from having half nots. How'd you like to be Kansas City? I still think uh, call me crazy. I, I don't know. I, I'd listen to discussions. I still think that's the best team in the AFC. I know yesterday wasn't pretty. Um I actually sometimes think they get bored because they've won so much. They have a hard time uh embracing the regular season with full focus, but I don't know. I I, I wouldn't want to play them. Anytime you got Mahomes. I'm probably taking those guys.
2: Hey, seven straight division titles for the Chiefs, oh, so
3: Your honor. Uh, they're feeling pretty pretty okay right now. How do, how would you slate the how would you slate the NFC? Because for all the prowess and people talk about how good the AFC is, there's similar records going on in in the NFC. I just don't think people believe in the Vikings as the team with the second best record and the NFC like they do the team with the second best record. And the AFC in terms of garnering respect, like either Buffalo or Kansas City, right? Because you think Buffalo and Kansas City aren't as good as Philadelphia and Minnesota if you're taking those top two teams. I will be the first person to
2: raise my hand, DB, (laughs) and proclaim to the television on Saturday that the Vikings are the most overrated team in the NFC.
3: I just don't understand how they have all those wins, right? And I get strength to schedule, but it's still the NFL. They beat the
2: Dolphins this year? Oh, yeah. They, uh, they beat the Packers. I mean, that, the Packers haven't been who we thought they were going to be. But, I mean, uh, you know, they have some decent wins. Yeah. They beat the Bills.
3: So, you know, the Lions before it was very difficult to do. They beat the surging Saints before they started to surge. I mean, they beat the Patriots. I mean, they've got, you know, they got hammered by the Eagles, which I think is, is going to be glaring. And you And, hit, the Cowboys. and, and you did lose one. To the Lions, and you got smoked by Dallas on a big stage. So that one may leave a mark.
2: Yeah, you know, I just don't know how I feel about Minnesota. I don't see them making a deep playoff run with how many problems arise defensively.
3: It just depends on how the – the what Blazer Suco Kirk Cousins, is going to wear. I mean, if he's like styling and profiling, man, advantage Vikings, if – you know, if he's asking me how I like that, I, I don't know. I may take the other team.
2: Hey, speaking of you like that, he was the last quarterback to come back from a 24-point-plus deficit. And that was back in 2015 when he screamed, you like that.
3: Yeah, cap, cap, he's officially captain comeback. We don't think he's very clutch, and he's the butt of a lot of jokes. But, man, he sure does win a lot of regular season games.
2: That's a great way to describe him. He is the butt of a lot of jokes. He is.
3: It's like everybody's (laughs) got cousins jokes, you know? And I don't mean family. I mean, like, it's like, (laughs) yeah, I know where you were going. It's and he just he just keeps winning.
2: You know, Sunday was a jam packed day of sports, too. And fortunately for the sports fan, you could wake up at 830 in the morning catch the pregame for the World Cup, and watch probably one of the best matches I can
3: remember. Unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I was – I couldn't look away. I, I couldn't believe how open and free-flowing the game actually was in the second half just with so much high-end talent. Because right? sometimes it, kinda, it can disappoint, and, you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be, but on that stage – with the caliber of players that were playing well. Some guys were sick battling in the lineup. I don't know, man. Like I I couldn't I couldn't look away. I know Cal- Cowboys and Jacksonville fans were getting a little nervous even though they knew that window was locked in. Listen, it's the NFL and they're not budging, but it got a little dicey before they flipped the old Proverbial switch to go on over to Fox because of their quote unquote NFL obligations. Wasn't that 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 match was something else? It was amazing. I mean, you
2: you watched Argentina go up 2 0 and think at halftime, Messi's got this. No, the story's written. Messi in his last World Cup, he's finally going to attain that feat. He will go down in history as the best player to ever play the game. And then Mbappe had something to say about that in the second. And you're watching the second half develop, and you look at the way Argentina was playing, and they looked gassed. Mm -hmm. They got there behind, whooped from about the 70th minute mark all the way up until the end of extra time which extra time is another thing we should talk about because 8 <laughs> minutes of extra time is is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't I don't care if, if if people are taking dives and penalties are called and yellow cards are given how do you get to 8 minutes?
3: The We're fit, playing like
2: another half.
3: The fitness it has to be unbelievable. I mean that's that's kind of the thing that I was marveling at the most yesterday was just how fit some of these guys are. I mean you're like in the 114th minute and and Mbappe he's going he's going 1v1 actually 1v3 mm-hmm. uh, for a good 14 15 seconds doesn't seem like a long time unless you're trying to possess the ball at that stage in the match i was just like these guys are unbelievable with these bursts of energy and these long runs they take and it was just it was almost like the equivalent to fast breaks trying to convert, like, you know, 3v3s and, 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 and 2v2s. And it's just like some fantastic saves. I almost got the kick save in a beauty. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, it was, that was the real deal, man. I, I'm, I'm not going to kid you. And I actually, you know, I've told you this before. I actually think it's a lot physically tougher sport to play than, than I People think a, the casual a fan or the lay fan gives it credit for. It. It's, it's a tough sport to play.
2: It is. I mean, I played soccer my whole life, and um, you know, believe it or not, you you play soccer and uh, you try to avoid concussions by playing that sport, opposed to say playing the other fall sport and, at least in state. And,
3: and uh, it's got a very, very high rate. Right, I, I would venture to say I had just
2: as many concussions yeah. as I probably would have had. Oh yeah, playing football.
3: St- statistics will statistics will validate you.
2: But uh, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, the conditioning that goes into running for a hundred and twenty minutes, and I know at, at various points you're walking, you're filling a hole. The ball's on, you know, the defensive half, and you know, as a striker, you kind of conserve your energy for when that ball uh, heads the other direction. But for the most part, y- you have to be so mentally tough to not have. Any opportunity to go off the field, get a swig of water, and then come back on and do the exact same thing.
3: Yeah, it's like run it back, run it back. And let's say, I, I guess the stoppage time, you can catch these long, not long breaks, but you can catch these breaks because there are these bursts and then you jog and then there are these bursts and then some guys walk. But still, I mean, you're talking about 120 minutes, uh, it's, Oh, those guys got to get in about five, six miles, don't they? I should probably Google. I guarantee you I can figure that out. You probably
2: could. Yeah, it, the internet has every answer. Remember, if you don't know it, Google. G I B, right? Hey, speaking of somebody that has a boatload of endurance, somebody that probably you know gets his ten thousand steps in times fifty a day. Uh, what about Matt Rule? Oh. In, in the weekend that he had on the recruiting trail,
3: hey, it actually is seven miles. Is it really? Ooh, that is unbelievable. It says on seven. average, on average, soccer players run seven miles per game with a high, and that's ninety miles. minutes. This can so. be as low as two for a goalkeeper. This is a combination of short sprints and long distances. Wow, good on you, DB. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, all I'll get—I'll give, give you a nice hand all the way from St. Louis. Maybe you can hear the claps. I from can. Here. I can. It's nice and subtle. Yeah, it just. Uh, He's unbelievable. He got it started off with uh, one of our guests who we'll talk to at at, at 740 with Tristan Alvano. Then he stacks it with Jalen Lloyd in one of the more unbelievable recruiting stories. We'll try to grab him this week. He is finishing up uh, some school stuff to make sure that he's off and and ready to go Um, this morning. And then the weekend happened. With with OVs and crazy rumors and stories, who's helping recruit who and who's decommitting that's back in the fold. Like, it was actually, there was a ton of buzz. And all of the while, you know that you got to negotiate or at least navigate your feelings. You're going to win some, and you're going to lose some with the coaching transition, right, for having to replace guys like Trey Palmer and who was, may have been leaving anyway. Well, I, I don't know. Well we'll get his sit down later. Yeah, Ernest Hausman, some guys like that, you know, to get a guy like Jeff Sims and and to be able to recruit the way that that they've recruited over this weekend, it was a lot of emotions. And it's like I told a couple of guys 2 weeks ago um with coach Rule right after the presser, the question was asked to me at a speaking event I was doing. And I didn't and I I promise you I had no idea that he was going to decommit this early. But they asked me, does that put Dylan Rayola back in play? And I said, absolutely. And so it's like I, I just – its if you can win the offseason, which people debate that all the time, you can garner some momentum. And right now they're garnering a little momentum. Now we'll see what happens in the next couple, two, or three days. You still need some O-line, D-line. Guys, and, and that's got to shake out. But if you're talking momentum, they've got it. Well, Dylan Rayola, just to hit
2: on him for a few seconds here: number one pass pocket passing quarterback, uh, number one recruit, uh, I, I guess prospect in the 2024 class. But does that fit the Matt Rule mold? I know he is a desirable quarterback. But remember, he's got to fit in an offense. We talked about it last week. When you get a quarterback, whether he's the best quarterback in the league or somebody that's middle of the pack, you have to pair him with your offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure the relationship's there. You also have to make sure that his game corresponds with the rest of the players on the football field. And, you know, as as I sat back and thought about it last night, yes, they could make it work 100%. I mean, when you have... An O-line coach, that's your uncle, and you know you can develop. He had 11 rushing touchdowns, I think, this year, but he's not a dual-threat quarterback like we saw in Jeff Sims when they, attacked, or when they attacked him in the portal. I just don't know if Dylan Rayola is an actual fit for the Matt Rule attack.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a little early, but I will tell you this. I think if you have a, if you have a good enough talent, they'll figure it out. Hundred percent, right. because you're you'll still only be a, a little less than a year into the process, and you know what, with Sims, and we'll see what happens with Casey, and uh, you know Bruce Hornsby in the range may be in the hunt as well with another quarterback. I don't know about Hornsby yet, but you you have kind of built yourself a little buffer in terms of years apart for the quarterback position, where if if Dylan Rayola is a target. He doesn't have to play right away with what Sims is doing. The differences
2: are night and day when it comes to this coaching staff versus the last. I mean, they know their identity. They know what they're trying to build, and they're not afraid to go against the grain.
3: Yeah, uh, in order to you, do it. as you as you can see, they couldn't care less what we think right no stars no stars i mean we talked we kind of teased it uh before the weekend where we felt like and they got collier junior we felt like they had a good end with the guys coming from florida we had a couple callers that had said hey listen these gay you know this is right where who coach rule is this is what they want to do i'm expecting big things and we just have to step back for a second and wait till the dust settles because early on, I just don't think we can keep up with the actual style and how good they are or aren't. It's going to take some time to figure out how everybody fits because it's happened with such a flurry. DB, can you imagine having a multi-sport athlete, a
2: multi-sport athlete with Mm -hmm. tremendous speed Mm -hmm. in state, and just giving him the cold shoulder? Uh, no. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, what was what was the thought process there? <laughs> I, I, I can't grasp it. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, people build their teams. Coaches build their teams however they like. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to be overly critical. But in cases like this, of a product that comes from your backyard, you don't even... Entertain
3: the idea wow. at once. Well, you Thank also. goodness for the savior of Matt Rule. And, and you, you, so you, you not so you get a guy, and I, listen, and you know, with guys like Lloyd and Nagai, who finishes official, you could get him to flip from Iowa State. You could see that they're going at multi, multi-sport, multi-faceted guys, just athleticism. I think. What they've been able to do in such a short time has a ton to do with they know what the end game is supposed to look like. They're using, like, real comps. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, and I know this, just when, you know, those guys talking to Lloyd. When they're selling a vision of what they want him to be, there are real comps where Jalen can look at and say, oh, okay, I could be like that. Similar body type, similar times. Benny Nagoya. They can get him to de- to decommit. Part of the reason he's in in the hunt is because they give him a good idea of what they want him to look like. Like they just know because they've done this together what the what the finished product is supposed to look like, and it makes it an easier sell. I can tell you that I think the picture looks better than it really does if I'm the one that knows what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> <laughs> no, Andrew. Oh, see, that the corner is supposed to a little different edge there. It's like it's supposed. You're like, oh, okay, I can see that, right? Like that's basically what they're doing.
2: Hey, I forgot to release our poll question today, so I'll make sure to do that after our break. But say the Jays find their stride again when Kalkbrenner comes back, would he be considered the most irreplaceable player in college basketball? Oh, A,
3: a Rihanna poll question, irreplaceable. That,
2: that's it. No doubt fills so many holes for Creighton. Not the most, but top 10 for sure or too many other choices. That's what I am focusing on at the back end of the show. But coming up next, we will continue to talk about Nebraska recruiting. There's so much to get to, and we barely touched on it. So we'll do more of that next here on Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio.
1: Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Back with you on Hail Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. It's coffee and cream in the morning, and we are live. I'm in St. Louis, though. DBs at Hail Varsity Club—the best place to spend any opportunity you can to watch a sporting event and take in some great cuisine. I don't use that word enough, but
3: cuisine. <laughs> I think is a cuisine, cuisine type of guy. I am. I had the um, wings on Friday. The Added a little breading. I got the... Oh, sauce. the
2: breaded wings. Yeah, you told me to try those. They're
3: unbelievable. Got the sauce on the side. Uh, it's good for dipping. Oh, man. And... I, I didn't get my own burger this time because I've had it twice. I went with the breakfast burger and my egg was perfect in terms of the yolk. It was they do a good job, man. Next to best in the business. Hey, I had some St. Louis style pizza over the
2: weekend at a Christmas party and that is something I'm bringing back for
3: you. That's the th- that's the thin crust jam, right? Oh yeah, that's the cracker bread. Okay. That's a lot better than crust crust, kind of whatever it was that you were trying to create, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, at thanks the house pulling that back up. a couple of weeks ago that'll still that'll be one of the all time funny moments ever. <laughs> by the way,
2: hey, I can't wait to try to recreate it and the pressure that is going to be on my shoulders Pre- pressure
3: pressure zone. I can't have
2: Kim come after me,
3: no, 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 you don't you do not want her upset with you. <laughs> hey you know what a good recipe is though.
2: It is up and down all the way around a good football team, right? That's what, that's what makes the best type of cuisine. And that's what Matt rule is trying to create right now. And you know, full disclosure last night, I was pretty hyped going to bed because I uh, pulled up the old YouTube where you can catch us right now on coffee and cream in the morning on hail varsity radio and was checking out some Jeff Sims highlights. Yeah. And boy, and I know their highlights, so we're only seeing the good. Uh, he had some inconsistencies in his game this season and in previous seasons, and injuries didn't help him either. But for the most part, this guy, he showed flashes of being a high-profile
3: player. Yeah, big arm. Uh, he's thin. He's got to fill out a little bit, but um, plays with some poise. Kind of seems to be under control. He's mobile, um, so that kind of fits your dual-threat deal that you were kind of asking about last week with how nebraska wants to work at the quarterback spot and i mean we'll see what happens we'll 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 get a good talk on or with uh sam McEwen, who talked about it on the pick six podcast and you know there's 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 some risk rewards there and i kind of i kind of agree with him um you know the dual threat you're obviously prone to to getting hit a little bit more. But I'm one of those guys, Drew Down, that thinks if design quarterback runs are a lot safer for a quarterback than pocket passers that don't see pressure coming. So I'll always kind of subscribe to that theory. So there's some give and take there. You
2: know, I see a lot of Justin Fields' play calling. In Jeff Sims play calling from this past year, when I watched him run the RPO and, uh, you know, he recognizes that pressure that you're talking about. He has tremendous vision. And there were so many times to where he's not like the the biggest guy either. Mm -hmm. Like he, I would venture to say he's, he's a little more skinny than he is buff. But when he gets out into the open field, because he's so thin, he's able to make tacklers miss.
3: Yeah, he's
2: not afraid to put his body on the line.
3: Yeah, real, real subtle with his kind of, kind of that wiggle. And they're getting some guys, I think, based on what I think can happen from all the guys in this weekend and what will happen on signing day this week, that really want to be there. Like, I think that's under – I think it's kind of underappreciated. Getting folks that want to be there versus having somebody come because they feel like they have to be there. That was, you know, the best that they had. I don't think, it doesn't sound like a lot of the guys in this group at all. And so if you get guys that want to be there, man, you give yourself a chance to have some success from a a chemistry and, dare I say it this early, a culture stick. Standpoint. You
2: know what? I was going to say the c word.
3: Yeah, culture. The, the c word.
2: They're establishing a culture. The dreaded c word.
3: <laughs> you, you oh, don't talk culture. to me about culture. Talk to me about wins. <laughs> yeah. All right, gotcha. Hey, doesn't culture lead to wins though. What's that? I said, doesn't culture lead to wins though? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think culture is one of those things that can get you by too when talent waivers or you're trying to get through some injuries. I've seen culture can can do a ton um you know but uh, that that's that's part of it we'll just see how quick we'll just see how quick they can settle in in terms of defining it because when you take a look at the quarterback spot and what they have the potential to put together and i'm not sure what happens with casey thompson but when you look at what's going on in the big 10 west in terms of quarterback play i mean sims has got to already be right at the top um and that's if you're just talking like talent, coming back from a year ago now, you can make the case, hey, we don't know what's going to happen with this team. But when you're just looking at the quarterback talent at the position, oh, yeah, you can could, you could make the case in the West that it's Sims kind of leading the way.
2: A lot of raw skill that he brings to the table, too. And I think that actually – fits for a perfect recipe when you describe the offense that Matt Rules trying to put together you s- surround your quarterback the quarterback that you grabbed that is prone to escaping pressure using his legs and pair him with those speedy those the, those receiver that receiving group I should say with bolstering speed and athleticism mm. it only allows for say when the play goes wrong you to still be able to make
3: a play find a receiver find the open window it's interesting too because at that qb spot like just the rhythm and timing and we saw it last year to some degree when things were in sequence and on time like the offense actually looked kind of crisp and kind of smooth it was when it, it gets disjointed and you got off script that it could look so poor at times i'll be curious to see what happens like from a philosophy standpoint, in terms of like rhythm, right? Can this offense function to some degree with a little bit of improv and just a little bit of savvy? Because it's not always going to be one, two, three, get it out of my hand. One, two, three, four, five, get it out of my hand. Or, you know, clean releases and things like that. They've got to be able to function when things aren't always – uh, super smooth. So that's one of the things I'm. I'll be curious to see what the run game, what the offense is going to look like. Because I think with Sims and some of these guys that they're looking at at the quarterback spot, you may be able to reintroduce a little bit of the quarterback run game element. And that's always interesting for me. Because if you can force teams to play eleven on eleven as a guy that that coaches defense, that always stresses me out a little bit.
2: Now, Jeff Sims gives you that ability to improv, as you were saying. But what also leads to improv and extra time in the pocket is the O-line
3: mm-hmm.
2: and building your O-line to give you that time. I, I, when you counted to five, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, we have five seconds to throw the football because that didn't really seem uh, all, all that possible yeah. this year. But. If you rebuild the O line the way that it should be shaped up in the Big Ten, that that's a key importance, and we've been saying that's probably the number one priority. Yeah, O line, O
3: line, and D line. Like you're you're waiting for um, to to kind of get some guys in. You do get a couple of guys back potentially with with, with Teddy and Norelli, which will help. But you need depth, and you've got to get you've got to get some bigs. Along the D line too, because whether it's an odd or an even front, right? If it's a three-man front, you still you, you got to have a couple of studs and in the interior. And if it's a four-man front, um, you got to have some guys that can provide some depth too. So, uh, whatever Nebraska does, uh, they they need more they need more bodies because you have to get ready in the spring. It'd be huge too
2: if Nebraska could somehow, some way, you know, for Christmas, wrap up this present for us, Cornelius. If we can get that gift to open up on December 25th. The number one target, right? Absolutely the number one target. And I I love, he seems like a great fit for Nebraska just for this reason. For one, because he had no stars. He built a reputation for himself. So he's rising the ranks. And now he's at the deserving spot, or at least headed to a more deserving spot. Yeah, one in which he's drink. a fighter. Yeah,
3: he's a grinder. So that's, he's that's,
2: somebody that will bear down for you up front.
3: Yeah, that's you know those are the guys that I gravitate towards because that's what wins. Flash and dash is cool. Give me some grit. I think I can outlast you. He fits the Nebraska bill. And then
2: you mentioned defensively on the line. Is there somebody that you're targeting in the portal, or are you kind of leaning toward? The high school side of things. I think they're going
3: to have to go to the high school ranks or the junior college ranks to start, but we'll see who's port- portaling the rest of this week and then when it opens up again after the first of the year. It's crazy, too, with bowl games happening. We
2: talked about it a little bit last week, but a lot of guys sitting out yeah. for their respected bowl games, which kind of makes it difficult to predict. as we, As we saw. Right, and uh, it, a little update for everybody. I have the brackets all checked out here, and Shane and I tied with seven. Seven, so there were nine games. Shane and I got seven out of the nine DB. You are one spot behind with six, yeah, and I'll, that came with your
3: SMU pick. Don't worry, I'll reign supreme. Uh,
2: you, you may be making me a crunch wrap supreme for breakfast. Over, over time, much. my guy, over t- It's a marathon out of sprint. We'll get into Tristan Alvano next.
1: Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio.
2: We are back. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. We appreciate you joining us this morning and joining us now is Tristan Alvano, the most recent kicking commit at Nebraska. And Tristan, I can't believe I missed you. I am so (laughs) mad that I am not there right now. Good morning,
4: guys.
3: Magnum, TA, what's up, buddy? How are you?
4: I'm good. How are you?
3: Good, good. It's been a heck of a... you got to tell our listeners, and obviously, full disclosure, I'm with you a ton, and... And we talk a ton, known your family forever. But we've had some, or you've had some great questions and this journey in terms of how hard you work at your craft. What, at what point did you think that your hard work was going to start to pay off? Because you have had been everywhere around the country, obviously really good at what you do. But you and I had that talk that I said you have to be patient sometimes because with place kicking, it can be slow to go, but when it happens, it'll happen fast.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just, the process is just a little different, you know. I mean, <laughs> especially with the transfer portal now, it's just it, it really affects the way kickers are recruited, and it's just different than, uh, you know, some of the skill positions. You know, like, uh, I mean, they, they don't really look at your film and everything. Like, obviously that helps, but you don't just get offers and stuff off your film. You know, they really got to see them camps and stuff makes it tough you know it's a lot of a lot of sacrifice a lot of travel you know just just having to go around the country and go to those camps and be seen in person you know that's really the only way so.
3: and it ended oh, go ahead go ahead go ahead Andrew
2: my bad DB I know this is a little difficult today uh, going back and forth and you know what I just realized Tristan's on the phone so I'm not overly mad that I missed him now if he was in studio I <laughs> yeah. probably would have been well he
3: should be on his way to school Magnum TA are you on your way to school Yep, I am. There you go. Hey, you were
2: talking about recruiting, Tristan, and uh, you know, I was just thinking, you know, recruiting was probably pretty difficult for you early on, but then after that state championship game, it probably got a lot easier. How much did your life change after that moment?
4: Well, I mean, up until that point, I'd say the last probably eight nine months had been kind of it all been fun because I mean, again, I never I never expected to. myself playing college football so this whole process was new for me you know my whole life I wanted to play college soccer and so like the whole football recruiting process is way different than that and so it was all new and it was all learning experience for me and my family but at the same time it was it picked up a lot last spring during high school soccer season when I was going on all the visits and everything and then um, you know the summer was crazy with camps but then recently it kind of slowed down during the season because you know everyone's busy uh, <laughs> and uh just not as much not as much contact with the coaches and everything. Just uh, and then uh after the state championship game, the past month's kinda of been crazy. I mean I just uh talking to the current schools i I was talking to and then some school some new schools reaching out and then obviously uh taking a couple of visits and uh finding a home.
3: It's interesting, this because you work so hard at your craft. Um it's almost it's unbelievable to watch, right? It's pretty much all you do, and I tell people all the time when they ask me about you. I said, "Yeah, he's super talented," and we're going to get to your mental makeup here in a second because that's equally as impressive. But walk us through, like, you guys as as like a trio, right? Will DePooter, who's a fantastic snapper, you can't do anything without him. Marty Morimino, who's your punter, uh, who's also your holder. You guys do everything together all day every day in terms of working at your craft how important was that to develop that consistency and chemistry
4: oh man it's it's everything i mean just knowing that you know i'm able to a hundred percent trust those two to do to do their job you know whether it's will getting the snap laces out to marty and then marty putting it down around the spot uh and just you know, I mean, just perfection. I mean, it's just rep over rep, you know, just doing, just doing what we do. And just, I mean, I'd say the mental piece of it is just being able to really, really trust them and knowing that um, good snap and good hold pretty much already makes the kick without even me having to kick the ball.
2: Further speak to that uh, that mental grip that you have on the game because when I was talking to Damon a while back, He was telling me that on your practice field, you guys have goalposts that are (laughs) actually college football goalposts. So, you know, by just practicing on those for one, uh, that prepares you, of course, for the next level, no doubt. But why? Like He doesn't use a T either, I think. (laughs) Which is crazy. Like, you know, how? Like, answer questions for me, Tristan. Like, how are you this good? (laughs)
4: Well, I mean, really just uh you know, we know we're going to our goal obviously at the start of the year is to get back to memorial. I mean, that's every team's goal, but that's especially ours, you know. We have a we have a high standard here at Westside and we really just want to reach that every year, but um you know, obviously coach Moravec, he's our uh kicking coach and our sports psychologist and everything. And so he tries to give us every kind of edge and advantage we can we can have and you know, um obviously uh my my goal this past year's has been has been to kick in college and kick at the next level, and I mean what better way to prepare myself and uh kind of help my accuracy and make me and and really challenge myself and push myself every day to you know kick on a smaller target uh and then then, when I get up in the big field up at Phelps, the uprights <laughs> it looks like i can't miss because the uprights are so big
3: <laughs> hey, you know what else is hey. You got to talk to our listeners about – because I think maybe one of your best attributes is, first of all, your teammates love you, right? It's like you bring this energy, and you guys are – you and Marty such good athletes. Um, and you, you do scout team stuff, and, like, you're super fast, and the your, your position players love you. And they've coined the phrase that you like to say, I'm dialed, meaning – you're dialed in, and that kind of became a thing all year. What do you, what's the, walk us through the culture and how, just how well received you are and, and what's happening at the high school.
4: Well, I think, uh, I think a lot of teams, you know, they're, they're kickers or punters or, uh, you know, they, they kind of, they don't value them as much and, uh, you know, they just kind of treat them like another guy. And, you know, while, you know, uh, me, Marty, and Will may be a little, uh, you know, maybe I guess a little forgotten about sometimes, just because you know we're kind of we're kind of on our own. You know, these guys are doing their Oklahoma drills or they're doing their seven on seven, whatever. We're just on the other end of the field, um, but you know, we uh, I think I think our team just sees how how hard we work with our craft, like you said, and they really respect that. You know, although we're a little different on the field and what we do during a typical day, you know, they. uh
3: Will you miss? They, uh, go- they Will you definitely
4: miss? Value- they definitely
3: value us. Will you miss going through any of our tackling drills when we sometimes would put kickers through our tackling circuit?
4: <laughs> uh, I'll miss your station, but no
3: one else. <laughs> I mean, we just try to prepare for everything. You never know when you're going to have to make a potential touchdown-saving tackle, right? Right, right. We'll call him Mac Jones yesterday, huh? <laughs> oh, Tristan, <laughs> Tristan would have made that tackle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: Hey, Tristan, you talk about you know being valued, and uh, you left an obvious impression on Nebraska, and you're the first commit that we've actually gotten to talk to uh, throughout this entire recruiting process. So I'm interested to know more about Matt Rule and, and Ed Foley and the rest of his staff. Talk about the impression that they left on you and why you decided to stay home because of it.
4: Oh, they just, them and their whole staff are just, they're just, they're very genuine, I think. You know, I mean, with the, kind of with the old staff, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get talked to as much as, you know, you you might assume as a, as an in-state kid might. Um, And I, you know, at one point I kind of felt a little um, disrespect towards them and just, you know, I just, I don't know. They just didn't pay much attention to me and they just, yeah, they just didn't see what they had in front of them really. And then the, uh, once, coach Joseph took over a head coach, you know, he was, uh, you know, he, he reached out, uh, and, you know, just started talking to me and they started paying a lot of attention to me. And then the new staff gets named, obviously coach rule, coach Foley, everyone down there. Just, uh, I kind of start, me and my family kind of start with a clean slate. And, uh, ah. I mean, you remember we were there, you remember, you remember coach, we were there on, uh, that Sunday for that junior day. And yeah. I kind of just, uh, <laughs> that just really, that just really got me thinking, you know, I mean, they, I just loved it down there, and I kind of, just a clean slate, just, you know, seeing what this li- was like. And, uh, yeah, they're just great people, and they, they really care. And so I just, that shows a lot for me.
3: Hey, so let me ask you, let me, let me double dip, because we're going to try to grab Jalen later on this week. You guys obviously played together younger. I love the how it started versus how it's finished with you guys playing together, which is really, really cool. And you're probably the more, this is weird, but you're probably the more outspoken one of the two he's the quiet one kind of reserved did you see the impact that the staff had on him getting to him so soon because he's guarded too Like right? both you guys kind of went in with this yeah okay we'll see and then by the end it was wow this is this is real this feels good like was there a similar sentiment there because you guys talk
4: yeah i think so i mean i when we were down on our official visit, where I remember this, we were walking into the uh, Purdue Nebraska basketball game, and you know our parents are kind of <laughs> a little bit behind us. You know we're just we're just up there and we're we're talking like you know man, what do you what do you think about this? You know what are your thoughts? He's like, yeah, I, I really like it. Like I don't know, we'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, really got me thinking. Like I really like this place. I was just like, yeah, me, me too. It's hard not to like it. There's so much good stuff here and good people here. And then uh, I mean. I don't know. I think uh, I think Jalen was really, you know, he obviously doesn't talk as much as, <laughs> as some, but uh, he's, he's he's a little quiet. But I think he, for for Jalen, he really liked it, and he didn't really put in the words, but I could just tell he had a smile on his face, so I knew he was he was really liking it.
3: Tell WD Forty, Will DePooter, Eminem, Marty Mormino, and my man Magnum TA. They are the three Musketeers. Tristan, I always appreciate you, buddy.
2: Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks, Tristan. Or should I say Justin Tucker? The next (laughs) Justin Tucker. At the top of the hour, we'll talk with Sam McEwen next.
1: Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning.
2: On the other end, I'm Andrew Rogers, and plenty to get to still in this hour, and uh, we will get to Sam McEwen in a few moments here. But aside from that, DB, we've had a lot of listeners comment into the show on YouTube, and we appreciate all of your thoughts. If you want to be involved on the show as well, 888-638-4876 is the number. Now,
3: DB, what? First I, was, I was just getting ready to reply to the Frost Giant, and he asked me about my thoughts on AJ Allen. And that's exactly what I was going to start with. I had a feeling. Um, I don't know. I hope he stays. Um, he is he is a legit, legit talent. It's so cool to watch. Um, it it's just kind of weird because um I'm not usually like this, but I think it's good for guys like that at his age. I think he wasn't really appreciated as much as I think some because uh, he was just getting started, right? But I remember saying this when he was being recruited. I said his film, he's the the best running back talent-wise in that room right now coming out of high school. And then Grant got off to the good start and I think people were like, Okay, we can kind of backburner and I was like, I don't know, man. I like like A. J. Allen, I'm thinking maybe by Oklahoma. Now it happened a little bit before Oklahoma, but he's just such a a, a a good talent and he's a good kid. And I think once the fans really started to warm up to him and appreciate him, it's actually I think helped him through the through the rehab process. You know, the shoulder's no fun, as I could tell you firsthand. Um, but I think the, the sentiment and the feel-good vibes that he gets from the fan base are, are, are really, really helping, at least right now. And I think no news is good news right now on the A.J. Allen front.
2: I think A.J. Allen, too, to add two points to that DB, is one of the best running backs I've seen in this Nebraska running room that – is fantastic in the open field, mm-hmm. and he's so dangerous when he gets to the second level. But before that, let's track back, he's so patient yeah. in the backfield. He's a great lateral runner. He waits for the hole. Somebody that you know you could easily draw a comparison to, and I'm not saying they're the same player by any means, but Le'Veon Bell was somebody that would wait for the hole to open up, to develop find that spot but in the meantime move with the line
3: yeah he's a vi- move he's, with your blocker he's a violent runner too which i like too he's so tough but yeah that's that's a great question and and i'm telling you he would be a nice complimentary piece to this offense shane did we get sam we're good i'm sorry
2: Shortly shortly we'll have him. Okay, shortly we'll have Sam McKee. Well, that's good. That's good to know. I appreciate DB on the other end kind of directing traffic today. What's it like holding the the yellow – or not the yellow, the orange like picks that you do at the airport? Like you're kind of directing everything.
3: Uh, We are in big trouble. So (laughs) uh, I just wait to be told what to do, and sometimes I just hope to not frustrate. You have to be a leader today. I just hope Shane doesn't get frustrated with me sometimes because I like a little more – clarity and we got sam now he's a little himhar so but guess what i know for sure now we got sam McEwen, (laughs) right our monday morning
2: staple sam McEwen. sam welcome to the show this morning good morning
3: good morning how are you guys sam we're good man you say you sound a little weary busy weekend covering all the activity it's not like there were any sports going on
0: um yeah like i don't have to you know we I don't have to do like all the phone calling all the time um, anymore. Like I, I, do some of that, but I used to do it like all of it, and now we kind of we kind of deploy uh, all the Husker extra resources in a good way to to cover all that stuff. But but yeah, I, I follow a lot of what's going on, right? So like uh, whether it's going to Jalen Lloyd's commitment event or you know checking in on the Creighton women, uh, Nebraska women yesterday. There's yeah, there's there's quite a bit. There's a quite a bit going on, so uh, it's been it's a busy weekend. It's gonna be a quiet week this week, for the most part, uh, and then we'll uh, you know we'll get back to it after after the holiday. Uh,
3: so rank these three things for me: Nebraska's ability to get in good in such a short amount of time as they're hitting the recruiting trail. Obviously, we've heard kind of the stories from Lloyd and Alvano and and Sims and these guys that they're having huge impacts with. They're gonna land Collier Junior out of Florida, guys like that. Creighton men's basketball continuing a little bit of a free fall, or Nebraska basketball missing an opportunity in kind of a statement game with where they were this season against Kansas State?
0: Oh, the Creighton is probably the biggest story in terms of like what you anticipated that team being and what they've been so far. But the recruiting thing is, is, is the thing that the, the largest number of people are interested. Mm. Right Because you know I mean there's lots of Creighton basketball fans Who are Husker football fans Who else would they be fans of um, So you know Like That's a big deal And and Rule is putting together A really Interesting class um, And the way I the, the reason I use that word Is there's going to be Six, seven, eight guys In this class Who I'm not sure Would have went to another Power five school For football Yeah and That's kind of how That's it's legit turn out. And and it's there's some interesting aspects to that, you know. I mean, uh, there's a couple of sprinters. There's there's the kid from Oklahoma, who's probably going to commit today, and Eric Fields. Uh, you know, his dad is right. His dad was a boxer, yeah, um, and a good boxer uh, for oh 15 years. He fought for the cruiserweight title a couple of times, and they could get this kid now he's not a zero star but he's an incredible story this kid out of Harrisburg PA mm-hmm. who's played football for one year uh and and is just kind of off the you know just coming coming off his first season uh that this is interesting stuff the, the kid from South Dakota who is probably going to North Dakota <laughs> yeah you know, yeah coming to Nebraska yeah so there's just there's stories with this group that are going to be really interesting to see how it how it pans out and and you know this is this is rule kind of doing what he does he, he's going to take his guys he's going to he's going to take uh, we we the recruiting services don't really know that much about some of these kids now some of these guys are going to get three stars here in about 3 days and then it'll be as oh yeah but <laughs> they didn't they didn't they didn't have these guys on their radar so oh, it's is... like a three star after the fact cuz Because Matt Rule thinks he's a good player, which is, you know, that's flattering to Matt Rule. But um, it's interesting to watch. I'll just say that, like, they're going to end up building a bigger class than I would have expected. I think, in large part, because they're going to end up getting more players than than uh, than they than they probably needed to take. But they want those guys, and we'll see how it turns out.
3: Yeah, I was talking with uh, Drew down Andrew. I said the segment or segment before last. We'll have to kind of be patient with this class there'll be some highs and lows guys will leave some guys will come and we'll have to take some time to get familiar with the players because we don't know a ton on a good chunk of these guys but trust is a two-way street right like (laughs) we we've got to trust him and he'll also have to trust in us that we'll relax until we start to see some of the ingredients being put together
0: no question no question you know, I think I think people here, though, are, are ready for a recruiting class that has very little to do with recruiting service rankings. That <laughs> I think people have been a little burned by that mm-hmm. over the last several years, and so I think people are ready to just say, "Oh, you're, you're actually you actually mean what you say. You're going to take guys that that do look like they could be good football players, but maybe aren't quite as polished as some others." And you're going to develop them. I think Nebraska fans are actually excited for that. Like, I think they they would rather see a class like that than see another class of like four star guys who are basically maxed out and and don't get a lot better and don't seem to like being at Nebraska. <laughs> so I think I think people are actually ready for what Rule is doing, and I think they're gonna they're gonna be excited by some of these. You know, our guy is taking guys that nobody else will take because he sees something no one else sees. I think fans are excited for that.
2: We're speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and a Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra. Toss him a follow on Twitter at SW McEwen OWH. You talk about the excitement level of some of these recruits, Sam. And one of the most notable from yesterday is quarterback Jeff Sims, the portal QB yeah. from Georgia Tech. What is Nebraska getting in a guy like him, and to further on that point by grabbing him out of the portal, what does that mean for Casey Thompson we'll
0: start with Sims you know he he's uh six four and he's two twenty mm-hmm. and you know he's a he's a lean two twenty it, it's not uh, he he's kind of got a sprinter's style as a runner, good runner um, tries to run around people a little bit usually when you're that tall, you can kind of do that uh, Throws the ball around his ear, maybe a little below. Probably needs to work on, on his accuracy a little bit, but has a pretty strong arm. Um, had Didn't have a lot of weapons at Georgia Tech after Javier Gibbs left, and he left for Alabama this most recent season, as people might recall. Uh, so, you know, Sims was able to kind of dump the ball to Gibbs for a couple of years, and he'd do some stuff and gain some yards. And then last year, they didn't have as much of that. He got hurt. And, uh, Jeff Collins got fired. And so obviously this is a dual threat, talented, uh, good runner. Uh, you know, I, 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 I look very favorably about it along the, uh, at his running skills, uh, probably needs to improve a little bit as a passer, but I think we can tell that that rule wants to have a quarterback run element in the offense. Uh, there are other guys that you could have pursued if you didn't want that. And you were just looking for a, a drop back passer. Um, uh, so they, they clearly want a run element in the offense. What does that mean for Casey Thompson? Well, you know, I I, I would say that, that Sims does have a redshirt year left. He played as a true freshman in the COVID year. So in theory, you know, he's here, but he doesn't have to be, you know, play right away. I don't know that he's ready for the NFL. That said, I, I don't think he would be committing somewhere where he thought he was going to sit for... A couple of years, yeah. so uh, I my guess is you know Casey's if he sticks around is going to have to fight for the job. Uh, I think Casey could 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 heal up, and try to go to the pros, but but I think it would be a, a two year conversation. So we'll just have to see. You know, uh, I, I would I if I were if I were Casey, I would strongly consider the coaching route now and and not. You know, unless you really felt like you could heal all the way up and, and, and get to the NFL, sometimes that happens. Uh, but he could, you know, he, he's going to be a coach one day. That's that's obvious. So, you know, I'd be curious what he would think about maybe trying to do that somewhere and yeah. getting on with uh, with his former coach, uh, Tom Herman. Like, I, I just don't know. Like, I think he could do that. Uh, but maybe he wants to play another year of football, and, and maybe that's at Nebraska, maybe that's for – uh
3: sam what do you so what do you think it is uh, you know I, i've seen coach foley um multiple times uh obviously because he's just been in the metro i'm i'm a big right. fan of um ej barthel just because i love the i love the background i think he's an up-and-comer i think he pays a, attention to detail because i like guys that seem to be able to polish diamonds I like Coach Satterfield's competitiveness. You know, he turns everything into a – like he just has this natural chip you can tell. Um, I obviously know Donnie, um, another competitive guy whose kids and his coaching room wanted him back, right? When I'm starting to try to piece together the personalities of the staff, what are a couple of adjectives that you would use to see if you're going to be right or not? And another three or four months.
0: So, one of the things that I've heard, because I haven't really met a lot of these guys, you have, um, is upbeat, energetic. Yeah. Um, maybe a kind of, uh, I don't know if type A is quite the right phrase, but but a kind of, uh, you know, uh, a detailed, organized wagger. You know, like a kind of... Uh, we're, we, we believe in what we're doing. We have a plan. We're going to execute the plan.
3: Yeah.
0: And uh, you're going to like the plan. <laughs> and if you want to play for us, you're going to you're going to execute the plan. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. Uh, I don't, you know, I think there's a, there's a quality there. I, I also think, and, and, you know, certainly there are qualities about Matt Rule that are very polished and very, uh, what do you want to call it, um, corporate. I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, I mean it in a... You know, there's there's a new way of thinking, a disruptive way of thinking, and in in uh, high stakes leadership, America that that I think Matt Rule fits. But I also think he's a little more down to earth or a little bit more relatable than say a PJ Fleck. Um, certainly, you know, there's there's things that Matt Rule says that you can imagine coming out of PJ Fleck's mouth, but they're just different. They're kind of different people. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think. Um, yeah, rules got a kind of a disruptive mindset, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a this is this has become increasingly common in our culture to have that sort of how are we going to do this differently, and how are we going to present it to the people who were doing it with differently. And he's been successful at multiple stops doing that, and and so I think he, you know, he has that kind of personality. He's really good in coaching seminars, and I've watched a lot of those on uh, YouTube. And he's just really interesting, you know? I mean, how many guys could talk about the defensive side of the ball the way he does and also talk about quarterback play because he coached the quarterback? He's a throwback. He's he's coached every almost every position on the field.
2: Sam, you know, one of the most coveted offensive tackles in the portal right now is a Janet Cornelius, and you yeah. mentioned earlier on in, in one of your responses, that Matt Rule likes to go after guys that don't have any star ability. And it was zero star for Cornelius early on, and now he's become one of the hotter commodities in the portal. But he he's not just visiting Nebraska anymore or Oregon because this past weekend right. he went to Tennessee and Ohio State. So because of his rise to stardom, is he somebody or somebody or something you think – Nebraska can still attain, and do you think they're a front-runner at all for this offensive tackle?
0: I think, I think they're in the top group, yes. Um, you know, it's going to be challenging because, you know, a kid like that wants to go to the NFL and can probably achieve going to the NFL no matter where he goes, but there's a difference between being a third-round pick and a first-round pick. Um, now, all that said, that rule is, gonna, is going to be an asset for Nebraska related to NFL draft status. Uh, Matt's going to teach uh, pro style concepts. Uh, rule has been in the NFL. And so he is going to uh, have a lot of connections and a lot of relationships there. And it's still a relationship business in the NFL draft. A lot of times guys are picked, not necessarily because everybody knows everything about him, but because, Oh, this guy said this and this guy said this and he vouches for him and, we need this piece and let's take him in the second round. And that, you know, that's kind of how that stuff can work sometimes. Um, so I, I think Cornelius, if he came to Nebraska, would, I think there'd be a confidence level in, hey, you're going to learn how to play NFL style football. Not only that, you know, I've got, I know people and, and we'll, we'll make sure that you're, that you, there's an awareness about you as a player that, that, uh, that people won't set aside and and so I think he could you know that's an opportunity Ohio State's going to be hard to beat at Tennessee I don't know that you're going to learn some of the things that you're going to learn at a Nebraska in terms of the offensive skill set Right? Tennessee's running you can't do at Tennessee you can't do that in the NFL you can't you can't run that offense in the NFL the refs won't allow it they don't allow that fast of an offense they stand over the ball and in Tennessee's Whole thing is, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna throw it deep. We're gonna, we're gonna run, we're gonna move as quickly as possible and try to beat you. And, and so your defense can't set up. And that just doesn't happen very often in the NFL. And so that, that offense is maybe not the e- most easily translatable, uh, to the league for an offensive lineman. So I think, you know, you make the sales pitches there. That's also kind of true of Oregon. You know? So you have to try to, you have to try to you know, make up ground where you can. Um, and and that's uh, that's probably what Nebraska will do, and I still think they have a chance of getting
3: it. Hey, so Sam, when you're when you're taking a look at the patience that the, the the fan base will have to have, given Coach Rule's track record in terms of it being kind of a slow burn, at least at first, is that changed at all yet? In terms of what you think the Big Ten West is going to be able to do next year, or some of the pieces that you think that he can acquire in the meantime that would adjust your expectation level?
0: That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure that I'm, 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 I'm ready to say I'm going to adjust much yet.
3: Okay. Uh, that said,
0: that said, the quarterback choice is intriguing because usually you bring in a guy like that, you're probably going to win an extra game. Because you're running your quarterback. I, I mean, I really believe that. If there's like a game that's going to happen, where it's going to be like, well, we, you know, we gained 247 yards on the ground and we beat somebody because they just couldn't defend the quarterback run game. That'll happen. Um, I think. I think it will. It'll give some team a a, a lot of a lot of heart. Uh, so that that's part of it. Now, I, I also think that quarterback can get hurt doing that offense. So you have to be thoughtful about how you approach it but no i i think i think people need to be really patient until we see what the roster is going to be uh what did you think of the the walters hire at purdue
3: yeah it was I, you know what i It's a fantastic hire i like i thought they got outside the box a little bit but it's going to pay dividends because they need he looks like a guy sam that young energetic type that knows what he's doing defensively and I and I and I think that may actually work a little bit in Purdue.
0: Yeah, I, I like to hire two. Not everybody does.
3: I, uh, I, I did.
0: Purdue, yeah, Purdue could have hired a sitting head coach. I mean, they could have hired a pretty good sitting head coach or a or a former head coach. That's not a that's not a terrible job, and they're paying Big Ten money there. i are mean, yeah. paying five six million. So you could have gone and got a you know a group of five or even a Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen would have gotten in, I think. At Purdue, I wouldn't hire Dan Mullen, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and they went with a where well, they went with the top coordinator in the country, the guy that I thought Colorado should hire, and did not. They Colorado decided to hire a guy that's gonna uh, that's gonna make them money. So the best way to put it is Deion Sanders is going to put is going to put butts in Folsom Field seats, and uh, and that's a so it's a good choice on that level. That you know Deion I think could be a very good coach there but the one thing that's absolutely true of him is he's going to make Colorado the money. Mm. Uh, I don't know that Ryan Walters would have, so he's at <laughs> Purdue, and we'll see, we'll see what, what happens there. He's awfully confident. Uh, he, his, press, his opening press conference, he said, well, I think I'm the best defensive coordinator in America. And um, for what it's worth, I think a lot of what they do is similar to what Bo Pelini used to do, um, only they stop the run better because of some things that they do with their run and they play in the Big Ten, which isn't this Big Ten, which isn't very good offensively. But Bo Pelini actually really liked Ryan Walters back in the day. When they hired Charlton Warren, uh, they decided to go with him because he was sort of a defensive coordinator mind, but, but Ryan was right there as one of the three or four guys they were going to try to have uh, replace Terry Joseph with. And Bo was really impressed with him back in the day. And anytime Bo believes impressed with a defensive backs coach, he's a good coach. Yeah, because Bo knows how to coach that position. So uh, Walters has been on my radar for a long time. I've kind of followed his career as a result. And and he's he's got a head coaching job, one year younger than Matt Rule did when he got his attempt. Yeah,
3: good call.
2: Sam, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day.
3: Always good, Sam. Appreciate right, you. Care. Thank you, buddy.
2: That's Sam McEwen. You can toss him a follow on Twitter. That is at S W McEwen O-W-H. That's where you can find him. DB, he brought up a great point there with Ryan Walters. And plus, what I was going to add to that is maybe, just maybe, Purdue's trying to get a young coaching staff to compete with their fellow counterpart in the West. There it is. Maybe he's there.
1: Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Back with you on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. It's coffee and cream in the morning, and we appreciate you joining us. On the phone, coming, Dan Wolken, national columnist for USA Today Sports. He's our next guest. He focuses primarily on college football and college basketball. Dan, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for hopping on the show.
3: Dan, good to talk to you again, buddy. Good morning, guys. How
2: are you? Good, good, good. Hey, Dan, you know, I was looking at your Twitter and you were kind of gone from December 11th up until yesterday, and uh, I'm not going to ask you the reason for it, but uh, were you still paying attention to all of the, the sporting games and different news and information popping out during that time?
5: Yeah, I mean, as much as I would have liked to have getting, gotten away from everything and gotten off the social media and whatever else, it was definitely a situation where I was, uh, I was looking at everything and taking it all in and uh, looking forward to getting back on it today.
3: Dan, I, you always have such, like, uh, kind of big-picture ideas, which is why I always like following you. But uh, let me ask you about the transfer portal because it seems to, to work differently for college basketball and college football, and I get it. It's a lot easier to turn things around in basketball with fewer numbers, but it should also be a little bit easier to be more disruptive with smaller numbers as well. Why? Why do you think there's kind of the disparity in its level of effectiveness across the sports, or do you think it's about the same in that regard?
5: Well, I think if you take a step back and look at the whole picture, it it is similar in that now I think both football and basketball, you don't have a lot of excuses in terms of new coaches coming in and saying I need five years to rebuild a program. That doesn't happen anymore, and it doesn't need to happen anymore because – you can look at your roster and you can go in and say, all right, I'm going to plug here and here and here and here. And obviously in basketball, the numbers are different. And, uh, you know, I think also in college basketball, you have a situation where uh, older guys, you know, juniors, seniors, people who've been in college four or five years, and even if they're not the most talented players, they can come in and, and make an impact. You can build kind of an older team and uh, be pretty good. I mean, you may not have a final four ceiling or anything like that, but you can, you can go win some games and and challenge for a tournament bid. So I think, you know, every coach has to look at the transfer portal and use it to the ability that uh, they feel like their program needs to kind of get jump-started. But uh, I think in both cases, it's kind of even things out a little bit. Um, You know, I think it's had an effect to some degree on the level of parity and competitiveness in college football. And I think, I think you saw kind of a foreshadowing of that in college basketball where, you know, Even before the, the, the transfer rules were, were liberalized, you had more and more basketball players transferring. And you would have coaches like you know, Fred Hoiberg, for instance, at Iowa State, built a whole program on transfers. Mm. And people saw how effective that, that could be. So I, I think, yeah, you can look and see differences between the sports. But I think overall, you know, people are kind of using it to similar effect.
3: If you're the czar, would you, would you tweak... The amount of times it's open and closed or kind of shrink the uh, the opportunities, or do you kind of like the pre post spring thing that we're working with now?
5: Yeah, I mean, look, I think you have to be very careful about limiting when players can can move because you're not limiting when coaches can move, and I think mm. that's sort of been one of the guiding principles in a lot of these changes and and anytime you do something that is hypocritical in that way then there's going to be blowback and there's probably going to be some, some potential legal consequences uh, as well. So I know the NCAA is very, very sensitive to that, but I do think it's fair to look at how the college football calendar is working right now. And, you know, you've got basically the coaching carousel transfer portal and recruiting and bowl games all happening at the same time. And, you know, it's really, Difficult, I think, for anybody to manage that. I mean, basically, it would be like the NBA or the NFL having, you know, their playoffs and their free agency and their draft all at the same time. And it just doesn't work very well. So I do think the NCAA can look at maybe ways to move things around a little bit to just make it a little bit more orderly because, yeah, you get into this time of year, and I think a lot of these, these programs, it just feels very, very helter-skelter, and it, it just frankly doesn't, um, I don't think it serves anybody when all that is going on at the same time.
2: Dan, aside from college football, college basketball is so early on in the year, but I want to gauge your level of surprise when it comes to the way Creighton is playing basketball right now after being pre-ranked top 10 to start the year.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, I think in college basketball these days, you have to be, um understanding of what we don't know you know going into a season and I look there's all kinds of reasons why um, you know teams are, are maybe going to be you know a little bit disappointing or, or a little bit um, surprising uh, I think you know Creighton's lost some some close games um, you know they, they had a you know I know they had a real close one at Texas and um, you know you lose by a couple against Arizona State I mean it's 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 a razor's edge, but having said that, you, you've you got to win those games, you know, and, um, you know, I thought when they were in Maui, I watched them against, um, you know, against uh, against Arkansas, which I thought was just a really, really good game, and then against Arizona in the final, which was just another awesome game. Um, you know, you, you come out of Maui thinking they're going to be a really big-time contender for the Big East title and, you know, go deep in the tournament, and now they just seem to be in this muck where they can't uh, – they haven't recovered from it, and they keep losing close games. So I don't know exactly what's going on inside their program. I don't have a lot of insight into it. But I'm sure it's very disappointing to everybody that they're sitting here 6-6.
3: Six and six. When you're talking about the balance in college basketball and the way the portal's is shaking up, it, listen, I'm looking at – I'm a Carolina guy, and, and, and mm-hmm. they're on the struggle buses. But I do believe they also kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year. But having said yeah. that, let me just go to – like just this weekend, for instance, with Bama and Gonzaga. Gonzaga's played the brutal schedule – You look and they've got three losses already. I mean, Brandon Miller's just going bananas for Bama, yet Gonzaga was in control of that game late. When you look at the direction in terms of where you think Hoops is headed this year, how are you building your team if you want to have some success? Because I'm not so sure the three-point line is the answer right now. When I look at Purdue or Bama or Gonzaga, uh, it seems different this year.
5: You know, I haven't really thought about it that deeply in terms of, you know, style of play and what kind of teams are doing well. Look, I think ultimately we all know that when you get to March, you get to the NCAA tournament, um, you know, you have to be a really good defensive team for sure, and that matters. But you do have to make shots, you know, and you're not going to advance six times or seven times in a tournament without shooting the ball pretty well. You know, you may be able to survive one bad you know, a three-point shooting game or something like that. But you're not going to win a title if you can't shoot the ball. So, um, I don't know. You know, I do think that there is maybe a little bit of a renaissance of, of big guys. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Purdue, and they've got one of the best in the country. You know, you look at a team like Arizona that kind of plays two two traditional bigs. Yeah, in four sense. or five. Yeah, um, with Bolo and – You know, yeah. and – yeah. And, and you don't really see that a lot anymore. Uh, so, you know, maybe that is kind of just – the the pendulum swinging back a little bit toward you know those types of teams but uh yeah it's really interesting i mean i think the season's been fun to watch so far and you know but now you get into conference play and i do think it changes you know Mm. i do think that um you know the non-conference season in college basketball is, is interesting you get a sense of where you are but it's really you know january february when i think these teams start to develop
2: Dan, you talk about playing for March. At what point in the year do you have to find that next gear if you're either a college basketball team that's struggling or even a college basketball team that's thriving? um, At what point do you see, or at least historically, does a team have to start finding that next gear?
5: Well, look, I think, first of all, every coach is worried about making the tournament. You know, and you have to do enough to make the tournament. Uh, and I think that's super important um, that in this point in the year that you've got at least something on your resume that at the end of the year, if you do hit a bad patch in conference play, that you can lean on and the committee will will give you some leeway for. Uh, and teams that don't have, you know, one or two decent non-conference wins at this point, their margin for error is, is very, very small. So I think that's got to be the first and foremost thing. But um it can vary. You know, I think there's teams – very few teams are great all 30-something games throughout the, the season without a dip. Uh, there's going to be a dip, you know, and whether it's injuries or whether it's just, uh, you know, shooting luck or whatever it is, um, nobody's going to sustain uh, an amazing level the whole season. So I think you should have to hope that your bad patch comes in, you know, late January, early February, and then you can start building back up and playing your best basketball as you get into the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, But, you know, we've also seen teams that that don't, you know, they kind of muddle along throughout the year, and then they just find it late. Uh, You see teams like that all the time. So I I don't know that there's necessarily one way to to build a a team that is going to catch fire in March. Um, That's what makes the tournament so unpredictable because uh, a lot of times we just don't see it coming.
3: Dan, we're up against it. Real quick, when you look at Deion Sanders early on at Colorado, are you intrigued or is it inevitable crash and burn
5: oh no, no no it's going to be interesting because he's going to get good players you know we know that so it's already started and then we'll just have to kind of see what he's able to do it's it's not going to be as easy for him as it was at jackson state but uh i don't think it's going to be crash and burn mm,
2: good stuff dan man. we appreciate your time this morning thanks so much enjoy the day
5: all right thanks guys
2: thanks d we'll talk more creighton basketball next
1: Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio.
3: Welcome back. Coffee and Cream in the morning as we get the bed music. Brought to you by Red Zone. Tickets been selling fun since 2001. You need tickets or have tickets but can't go. Red Zone Tickets buys and sells tickets for all types of events. That's things like Morgan Wallen. Uh, Creighton, Husker Baseball, Mannheim Steamroller, UNO Hockey, and more. Maybe you're in Vegas watching that meltdown from the Patriots. You need NFL tickets. They've got you covered, too. The Chiefs, the Vikings, Cowboys. It's all there in a wide variety of price points. Red Zone Tickets is located right here in Omaha. Reliable, local, with an A-plus, better business rating. That is redzonetickets.com. Visit redzonetickets.com today. Hey, Vegas always
2: wins, whether it's on the football field or the sports books, you know, they made a ton of money
3: on that play. Oh, I mean, it was the swing, right? Because what was it? It was, was it two and a half or three, something like that? It's the, yeah, that's what it closed at. Yeesh. Well, there, there were some crazy, like, are you, are you kidding me? So it's with like the line movement, the Bengals and. In Tampa Bay, it seemed like everybody was on Tampa Bay late, and then in the second half, they were never in that thing. And I got to hear Tony Romo utter this phrase. He oh, got it. Boy, if they keep playing like this, he's talking about Tampa Bay in the first half. If they keep playing like this, boy, they got good stuff coming in the second half. Yeah, like, he
2: said Tom Brady isn't bad. He's just not surrounded by talent anymore. I I'm like, What well, I, I don't think that's what you mean. I, I think it may be the other way around, if you ask it's, me.
3: Did you give yourself a tick mark for how many times you heard pixie dust last night?
2: No, I, I didn't. But how many how many slashes do you have on your arm? I think he
3: said. I think Chris Collinsworth said pixie dust like five or six times. It's better than some of the things he said. Are you anti
2: C squared? No. Uh, well, mm, I shouldn't just say no abruptly like that. Uh, there are his. No, no. He has some points in his in his calls where i'm like eh, you have said that uh, yeah, that
3: didn't really sound right that man was hitting me with pixie dust and taylor heineke i'm like
2: that's not pixie dust. he's just not playing well hey he may be peter pan but he's no tinkerbell
3: oh, goodness gracious
2: um, no, yes. I'll tell you what in that football game. And then I promise we'll get to, uh, some Creighton and Nebraska basketball here before we wrap this thing up. And we can always touch on things in morning dump to make sure to head that direction after the show. But I'll tell you what, DB there was, so I had a sports bet out, right. And, soccer. uh, parlay. All I needed was a Brian Robinson touchdown mm. and he runs it in yet. A flag is thrown because Terry McLaurin isn't lined up on the line of scrimmage, which, you know, it could look that could be looked at at two different angles here. One, like Terry looked as if he checked with the official. Thought he did. He it was kinda, to move up. It was kind of half-hearted, but I think he thought he was good. Right. And then on the other side of it, I'm like, Terry, like you've played how many snaps in your life to know that you have to be on the ball? On the line of scrimmage. So, you know, Brian Robinson runs it in and I see the flag symbol pop up and I'm like, you got to be kidding. And so it gets taken back. And then I'm like, all right, I need PI in the end zone because PI in the end zone fall on the one Brian Robinson territory, which there was PI in the end zone. I got
3: it. So there were two or three egregious no calls. The two-point conversion in the Arizona game, How was that not PI on D hop? And then whatever happened at the end of the game last night with the Giants and the commanders, I'm like, are you guys really not going to throw that flag? That was a
2: travesty. Well, I broke it down perfectly in my household because I said, here's, here's where PI in the end zone normally comes to fruition. You get Taylor Heineke scrambling for at least three or four seconds in the backfield so that when your receivers are in the end zone, they're making that scrappy improv play and, uh, you know, a defender's going to try to grab to stay close. That's where you're going to see it. It happened, DB. It happened perfectly, Drew. It was plucked out of my mind and placed on Sunday night football. I mean, and yet no call.
3: I just, I'm just curious because those are the ones too where the next morning you don't want like the apology and the NFL to come out and say, hey, you know, we, uh, we missed it. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, uh, give me, frustrating. Give, give me that back in the potential win column. Do you yes. know? What I mean? Because that's the difference between that's the opportunity to certainly not lose, right? You don't know if you're going to win, but certainly not lose, right? Oh, yeah
2: hundred percent. And I was only looking for a touchdown. I don't care what happened. (laughs) I just needed B-Rob in the end zone.
3: Well, hey, so when he he got down, he had the nice run to set him up down there about the four or whatever. Like, were you losing your mind, cheering? Oh, yeah.
2: I was like, Kevin Thibodeau, thank goodness you were drafted in the first round. You are my hero. I will buy your jersey off of a Chinese website for less money than the actual thing if this happens. Mm. I said it. I feel like I've said that a lot when it comes to athletes. I like, please like just do it. I'll buy your jersey.
3: Uh, well, you, 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 and, uh, you and Sip there, AR. You feel, feel like a penguin.
2: Yep. Oh, a I'm lot of frustration. A, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of frustration there. But I bet people would say there's even more frustration with how Creighton basketball has been playing as of late, especially since their trip home from Hawaii.
3: Yeah, how wrong was I on the ability to bounce back on that one?
2: How wrong were you on the line, too? You thought the line was, it was too big.
3: Yeah, I thought it was too much. That's it what I'm saying. It to be bigger. Yeah, it's crazy. They just I, out-muscled and outwilled. I was shocked to see how that whole thing went down. And I'm just thinking to myself, why is it that they appear that they're not playing very hard? That, that was the thing that was kind of getting me. I'm like, Marquette's just playing harder. And you never want to – like, as a coach – Because that's the one thing that you can kind of control and it eats at you. But I'm just looking at Higadaro and and some of these guys. And, you know, Jones got it going late, even though he didn't shoot it well. They didn't have an answer really for Prosper. I'm just thinking Marquette isn't even really what I would call shooting well. I think they were... 28% 28% from three. Or Neither more. team shot the ball. Well, but so I'm going to ask you again, because I feel like a good shooting team. Yes, I know, I hear, Ask me a DB. Come I on. ask you every week and you
2: can, people keep telling me they are. Are you sure? Hey, I have this written down on my list because <laughs> I, I, have, I have, I have, you asked me if they're a good shooting team. It's on my notes list right here. And here's what I'm going to respond with today. I don't want to say
3: you're right. <laughs> I don't want to say it. <laughs> well, I don't know because I hope they are, but they I just don't know if they are.
2: Well, I, when I say, I don't want to say you're right. I don't want to say you're right in questioning their ability. Cause uh. you also mentioned too, about like how they just, it, they, it almost looked like they didn't want to be there, but Sharif Mitchell and Ryan Nemhard said prior to this game we talked about it on friday about how they want more heart more yeah. toughness they want to see more of that and it's obvious this team hasn't made strides
3: in either of those areas how about with yates and schultzberg and i like mac went deep he, that was one of those games where i was get i got the sense that coach mac was not he was trying anything yeah he 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 was looking for a spark a combination he i mean because farabello i don't know if you checked he only played nine minutes mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, Ooh, like he's, you're not, he's not getting what he wants from you. I would guess on the defensive end and man, Matt coach, Mac was having none of it. And it's not like, I mean, if you watch Providence or, or UConn or like, it's not getting any easier now. Shoot. I might even have to pay attention to seat and now. And I don't want to, although, Hey, hey you, you asked,
2: are they a good shooting team? How about go one step further? Is this team actually as strong and as deep as we think they are
3: on the bench? Well, depth depth has definitely revealed itself to not because they they don't the bench doesn't score, right? So they got to figure that out. They have good players, I think. I just don't know why they why the bench doesn't have more scoring production. That's Is it be- that's the thing.
2: Is it because when they're on the floor, they're trying to get it in the best players' hands, so they are. Relying too much on Baylor Shireman or Ryan Nemhard or Trey Alexander or Arthur Kaluma, whoever's out there at the time? Uh, Or is it those guys wanting to just take the game under their control? Because more oftentimes than not, when the bench is being put in, uh, it's at a point in the game where Coach D is looking for a spark. uh, And those guys don't want to be that spark, or they don't, it's not that they they don't want to be the spark, they feel pressured to give the ball up to one of their top four guys.
3: And now you're got coming in, you're going to host Butler, who I don't know what happened to him the last 10 minutes of that game, but they teased you. I think it was 43-39. I may have to go back and check. I'm pretty sure it was 43-39 UConn at one point in the second half, and UConn ends up winning by 24. How about that? Yeah. Like, just totally – Hit the X button, and I and who, who I have no idea really what you're gonna get from Butler, except for you probably better figure out a way to do something with Chuck Harris and, um, and Manny Bates. I mean, he plays a little bit more of a of a real center role, but hopefully you get, hopefully you get. Calk Brenner back with whatever the non COVID related illness was. And I don't know why they kept saying that because obviously if it was COVID, he just wouldn't be part of it. He wouldn't be there sitting on the bench. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why do they feel it necessary? Right. To keep telling me it's non COVID. I'm sure that there was a method to the madness though. Hey, I'll
2: tell you what the one bright
3: spot before we go. Um, Frederick King. Yeah. He's really starting to emerge, isn't he? But can you do two things at once? I mean, can Calk come back and King still, develop
2: i think king will be at least a breath of fresh air off the bench i'll tell you that much
3: hey how about his shooting percentage though Why at at close range he looks that, like coke <laughs> i think listen coke Brenner, but what do he make 19 in a row before right Maybe that's Mac knows how to get his as the ball. I think that's what it is. And
2: I think that needs to be the name of the game. We'll talk more about this on Morning Dump, but we've got to go. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. Catch us wherever you get your podcast. That's Hail Varsity Radio for the show in review. Check out Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, coming up later this afternoon on Hail Varsity Radio. But with that, we'll see you tomorrow on Coffee and Cream, powered by Currency.